So, our letter from Paul this morning. I have to tell you, Paul is a pretty sneaky writer. He gives his introduction, and whoever happens to be with him in all of his letters, um, whoever's with him at the time or whoever's delivering the letter on his behalf. And then he, from an outsider's perspective, in this letter, lays all kinds of compliments on the church, right? Doesn't it sound good? I give thanks to God every time I think about how God has blessed you, right? He calls the people of the church in Corinth sanctified. He calls them saints. He gives thanks again and again. And to us, these are the kinds of words you want to hear from a mentor. Wouldn't you want to hear your mentor say, hey, you're doing a great job. Like, I I see all these gifts on you, such promise. (laughs) But if you keep reading, he's about to give them a tongue lashing, pointing out all the ways They are misusing or not using those gifts that he is so grateful God has given them. All the ways that they are not behaving as those in need of a savior. All the ways they're cutting people out instead of welcoming them in. And the prophet Isaiah, in the time before the exile, the prideful people had stopped listening to the prophets. And my... my, Old Testament professor, this was, she spoke it in a way that just stayed in your brain forever, which is why I lift it up to you. They said to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things. And St. Paul is smooth, (laughs) unless you know the audience. What they were hearing was hard truth. You see, there was a group in the church of Corinth who had a problem with pride, with self-righteousness, and a bit of a superiority complex. They considered themselves better than the average believer. They believed that their ability to speak in tongues was a signal that they were more equipped, more favored, more special than those whose gifts were more mundane, They were even of the opinion that they really had to listen to no one but themselves. That is why Paul begins by stressing his credentials. Called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. (laughs) It's hard to argue with a title like that. Hard to hold an opinion that this one has nothing to teach you. And as soon as he reminds them of the authority given to him by God, he reminds them of their call. First, they are sanctified in Christ Jesus, which means that they are holy, not because of themselves, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ that made them so. In the United Methodist Church, we talk a lot about grace. It doesn't only belong to the Baptists. (laughs) The way grace works in our lives to help us see God in the world, the way grace helps us find our path and live the way of Jesus, the way grace makes room for forgiveness when we stumble and fall, and the way grace makes us holy, helps us become the people that God created us to be. Second, the folks in Corinth are called saints. Now, that doesn't mean 
that the behavior of a saint is exemplary. If you look at the history of many of our saints, and this is, this is not common knowledge among most Protestants because we don't study the saints, but most of the saints did not exactly live um, perfect lives until they were made holy by God. A saint is someone who recognizes their need and the world's need for a savior. If we could do it all by ourselves, wouldn't the world be fixed by now? (laughs) A saint is someone beholden to God through Jesus Christ. Beholden is a wonderful word. We don't use it much anymore, but it conveys images of being wrapped up. Right? as well as belonging. If we are beholden to God, then it is God who shows through more than us because we are wrapped up in God's presence, God's light. The good things that we do, the bright face that we show, is the face of God shining through us. Paul was reminding the Corinthians that they belonged to God And he was asking them to examine their behavior to see if they still fit that description. Most importantly, Paul wants to remind these church folk that they were a part of something larger than themselves. It's not all about the Wayne Community Church. We're connected to Christ's Church Universal We're connected to other Methodist churches all around the world. And I said Methodist and not United Methodist on purpose because other countries have their own branches of Methodism. In Guatemala, you don't find the United Methodist Church. You have the the Methodist Church of Guatemala. We're connected well beyond ourselves. We're not just saints all on our own. Paul was calling them together with all those in every place who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Jesus isn't the exclusive property of anyone. We cannot seek to define him in specific ways. The Corinthians had remade Christ in their image and they thought they had all the answers. And Paul was trying to help them take a larger view. That's the history. Here's the present. St. Paul, as I've been alluding to all along, is talking to us, too. We are those in every place who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nearly 2,000 years later, we are part of that larger view that Paul was pointing toward. We, too, are saints. We, too, are part of something bigger than ourselves. Now, we may not need knocking down a peg or two. Mostly, I think we need encouragement, like our friends, the geese. And Paul speaks to us, too. Paul tells us, particularly those of us who don't think we measure up, that we have been enriched. We are not lacking in any spiritual gift. There is no extraordinary gift and mundane gift. They are all gifts from God and all are necessary. 
We have everything we need to be the church that we are called to be. We don't need to wait for anything in order to be complete. There are certainly times when we may not feel like we always know what we're doing. <laughs> Has anyone felt that at all last in the last couple of years? That you just did not know what you were doing, but you were plugging along, right? One step at a time. We are learning on the job. Learning to be the church. Learning to be the saints we are called to be. And Psalm 40 is a reminder that even when life is difficult, God is good. Sometimes we experience that abundant grace in surprising or even miraculous ways, but most of the time it comes through the generosity and caring of the community. The community of faith around us, what uh, the psalmist called the great congregation. That's us. We are supported by one another. We are lifted up and rescued by one another. Too much of our time as a church is spent wishing. Wishing we had more people. Wishing we had more children. Wishing we had more resources. Wishing we had more volunteers. Wishing we had more activities. But who's going to run those activities? But how often do we take all that energy it takes to wish and use it to be thankful for the gifts we do have, for the people we have, for how they have given of themselves and their resources. How often do we give thanks for the mission and witness that we are able to do week by week to an outsider giving snacks to the elementary school may not seem like a big deal, but for us, these are our children. These are our teachers. Our staff, they're our neighbors and our friends. It is a big deal. Of course, we want to encourage more, but not because we're lacking. No, we encourage more because we don't want anyone to miss out on the joy of being part of the body of Christ, the joy that comes with serving, the joy that comes with being in worship together and having fellowship with one another. That's why Margaret knocks on doors and gives them brochures and say, come and be a part of it. It's really wonderful. That's why (laughs) Ken goes to the men's group and says on Wednesday mornings and says, you've got to come and see what's going on. There is joy to be had, to be experienced. And your gifts are needed. We come from a more than 200-year legacy, 1794. A legacy of abundance, not scarcity. So don't ever feel like you don't measure up because we are all needed. You may not be able to sing in the choir, but you could be a choir groupie like Wendy. We love her support. All of our gifts ensure together that we are not lacking of any spiritual gift. Everyone belongs. Everyone has a role to fill. Everyone has a gift to offer. What is yours? Now, I'm going to mix up our order of worship here a little bit. I'll invite Christina to um, head to the piano.
Um, because it's the legacy of abundance that has inspired a tremendous gift to this congregation. When it became apparent that our poor piano had reached the end of her road, the trustees sent Christina to start looking for a new piano to grace our sanctuary and serve our church. Christina came back with a few options, but we needed a committee leader who could represent the church in negotiations and the business side of the purchase, so Christina could focus on the instrument itself. Our co-lay leader, Hazel, volunteered to be that person, and it is safe to say she was transformed <laughs> by that experience. Not only did she research the different makes and models of pianos, she listened to Christina play on a dozen or more of them. Yeah. Oh, six or seven? Okay. Okay, so I exaggerated a little bit. Paul did that all the time, too. She immersed herself in the process, and the spirit moved her. To those on the outside, purchasing an instrument might not seem a complicated process. It's not much more than a piece of furniture. But the tone of a piano either fits a space or it doesn't. It not only needs to look the part, it needs to sound right. A good piano is responsive to the player's touch, evoking both whispers and shouts from the keys. When it became apparent that this was the piano for us, we hit a stumbling block of how we were gonna pay for it. Many of us talked about it, we brainstormed ideas, we thought about getting a different one, but most importantly, we prayed on it. And one rainy, snowy night, as I sit in a church north of Waterville, getting ready to help lead a church conference, wondering how I was going to get home safely, <laughs> I received a call. And I said, oh, Hazel, I, I can't really talk right now. I'm getting ready to go into a church conference. She said, just listen. Hazel and David had decided to donate this piano to the church. I was speechless. I heard that Christina even cried some tears of joy when she got the news. Not all of us have the ability to give a gift like this, but St. Paul would tell us it's not about what one or two of us can do on our own. It's what we can accomplish together. A piano is worthless unless it has someone who knows how to play it. Music can only move the hearts of those who can hear it being played. And one of our joys today is to consecrate this piano to God's service. So I'm going to invite Hazel and David to join me up front for the consecration. I'm going to come down.